Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. My name is Zakia Ringold, and I am a business owner, a Scale Up ambassador, and your host. Scale Up is an initiative created by LA21 CDC with primary support from the Philadelphia Commerce Department. Scale Up provides quality business planning, training, technical assistance, and resources for cohorts to scale up their businesses and to become successful, capable of creating jobs in Philadelphia and sustainable. Yes, I am here with Falami of Precious Jewels Prevention Program, and we're going to get her getting started story, and she's going to tell us all about her business. And um, Falami, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Yes. Good evening, everyone. I mean, good, good day, everyone. Um, my name is Falami Irvine. I am the CEO of Precious Jewels Prevention Program. I'm a fifth generation folklore healing artist. Um, I began to work with herbs early on as four years old. My grandmother taught me about sassafras tea. From there on, different other family members would tell me about different herbs. And um, I was learning about herbs, but I really became serious as an adult. I began to take classes and study under my cousin, Dr. Wyatt. And um, so that's when I really began the journey of getting into herbs and taking it to the, to the next level. And the way I got here at the um, Container Village is I was working with young ladies. I was working with young ladies, um, at risk young ladies. And we began to do workshops. And then I was thinking about what can we do for sustainability? So we did sister circles. And so then I wanted to do um, have a store where they could come and do a practicum, do an internship, but also to teach sustainability for returning students, returning citizens, and also at, um, at, at risk young ladies. Wow. So you said a lot there. So I'm going to have to break down into smaller pieces because there's a lot of amazing gems you put in there. So you said you're a fifth generation folklore healer. How, how, so this runs deep in your genes. So, um, who was one, who were some of the people in your family that were into herbs and healing? So it was my, my great, great, great grandmother. Um, her name was, um, Rachel Iverson. And she came here at around 14 to 15 years old from Africa when they brought her here and they enslaved her. And then she had a daughter, Hardina, and then she had my grandmother, Mary Allen, and then my father, Lawrence Carey. So I always tell the young people, you got to know who you are. So I am the daughter of Lawrence Carey, the granddaughter of um, Mary Allen, and the great-granddaughter of Hardina, and the great-great-granddaughter of um, Rachel Iverson. So my grandmother and my uncle um, definitely did herbs and helped people. Um, they said my grandmother, she used to know how to take a mustard seed and put it on people's chest. Um, when I was in about the second grade, I remember my uncle Jim, James E. Rollins, he, he gave me, I had a sore throat and he brought pineapples and he brought something from the pineapples. He brought that over and he would take, make tur- turpentine. He would get some, something that would come on the pine trees. You can still see it. It's kind of white. And then he would add sugar cane and different things. I don't know all the things he would add to it. And he would give you that too, some turpentine and uh, 
Uh, he just they just knew a lot of different home remedies. They may not knew the name of all the herbs and the plants, but they knew what's good for stomach, what's good for nerves, what's good for you know blood. You know they knew they knew the different um, herbs that could help you. Yeah, the ins and outs of it. And then you also mentioned your sister circles. So tell me a little bit about those. Okay, so my sister circles is um I was um and back in. I came out the military in 1985 and I began working in the prison system about 86 or 87. And then I started working with uh, juveniles in the youth studies center. And back in 1990, I started seeing young African-American girls come in and out the penal system, like almost like the, the boys were coming. So there I started doing sister circles and rice and patches in my living room at rec rec departments, libraries, any opportunity I had to work with young ladies. And what I would do, I would expose them to the different traditions that were passed down. So it's like an unbroken circle. And I know once they get into the herbs or agriculture, it's everything. Right. Because your food you eat, the clothes you wear, all this is agriculture. All of this is, all this is dealing with the earth. And right. the more you're connected with the earth, you're less likely to get in a lot of, you know, different, um, illicit things because you're getting closer with the earth and it kind of keep, you, it keeps you grounded. grounded keeps you grounded I was just thinking that as you were saying it like well yeah that that makes sense so you also talked about the um practicum that you started to offer with them where they could come in get a skill study under you and learn so what were some of the reasons why you got started with that was it just to make sure that they had an outlet what what were you thinking with that one um, it's really past learning traditions, and I want to provide them with a to change their paradigm of thinking and provide lifelong tools. When they see an herb, I don't want them just to see this dandelion as this weed that just comes and disrupts. I want them to understand the medicinal part of dandelions. I want them to understand it on an emotional level. I want them to understand it on a on a how, what it symbolizes. When you think of us as people, how we come through the cracks and we come through some hard times, but we still rise and we still look bright and we still look beautiful. It, it has not always been easy, but we come. And also it's what the elders always did. When I came here, Oh, I must give I must give reverence to uh, many of my elders that taught me. As I said, my cousin Frank Wyatt. And when you first came into doing herbs, um, there was I, I would say Diego, Dr. Perlman, working at an herbal store. All those elders in there that taught me. Mm -hmm. I remember we would have herbal hours with uh, Carol Mitchell. So I had a lot of herbalists before me, and it was important that they used to do free herbal hours. It wasn't like today. It wasn't always all about that money it was passed on a tradition and it was pouring into people who really wanted to do this work you know and really because every family should have an herbalist I believe every family should have an herbalist yeah and you actually just closed or ended a cohort with youth so tell me about that program you oh. have a youth program which I think is phenomenal but tell our listeners more about that Okay, so this is um, my third year of doing a Herbalism 101. So in March, I started with um, a cohort from 12 to 17. Now I just finished this Wednesday. We just did, we said 7 to 12, but we had youngest five years old. I mean, every week they came they were so enthusiastic. They were, they came, they were, remember everything. They, we learned how to do sprouting in the class. And I always teach young people, we be, we be who we, we be who we see. So I always teach them when you learn about herbalisms, you're not going to see a lot of us in textbooks. 
Any most herbal schools you go to, you will not learn about us. So every student, if you they came to that last class, if you asked them about who's the true father of, of medicine or learned about remedies and herbs, in Hotep. Because our history starts before our enslavement, our dark period. So they also learned about the, they learned about um the history, historical people. And everybody in the class, mother and family members was herbalists. That wow. was very powerful. And what I liked about it, the parents sat there and came with the children to class. They learned how to do teas, infusions, decoctions. Uh, um, they learned how to do sprouting. Um, they learned how to create their own herbal kit in this class. Um, so it's passing on traditions and just, um, they learned how to use different words. They did hypotheses. They did predictions. Um, we talked about the bitter, the sweet, learning, you know, increasing the vocabulary and learning about it and just learning about, you know, a lot of people that come into herbalism, we're often left out. So it's important that we understand this because we can be the best person in STEM, but if we're not growing our own, what are we going to do? Right. I, I got all I got all this intelligence, but I don't even know how to grow my own food. Right. You know, so it's so important because back in the day, my father and all his people, they grew all their food. Mm -hmm. And some of us, we know about the earth, but some of us, one, one young person in the class, um, two, I think two, the mother has a fig tree she's gardening and uh, it was uh, Ezekiel and Stevie. I think they do farming and they do gardening. And so it's important to notice stuff, even if you don't have nothing but a little victory plant somewhere in your window, somewhere grow something in your home. For sure. And you mentioned to me how you kind of make sure that you teach science and math within your programs. It's your way of making it interesting and intriguing for the students. So how, what, what was it about it that it just became so clear to you that this is something that the kids needed? Um, I'm a mother. I have two scientists, my two daughters. And on Sundays, I would take them to Wissahickon and tell them they was going to Disney World. So I wedded their palace early about science. And and, they, and, and, and my daughter began to get anatomy books. And she really, and then I would work in the inner city schools. And when I would teach children about science and math, I found that they really loved it, but you had to make it fun. You had to wet that palate. You had to make it interesting. You had to make it relevant to their life. And if you don't make it, like, I hate math. I hate science. You are math and science. You're 75% water. Let's just walk down the street. That's science. That's a one-way sign. Is that a rectangle? Is it a circle? Is the stop sign? Is it, what is, what shape is that? Anything you do is science and math. When you eat food, that that's science, that's math. You come from a line of many of your parents that are cooks. That's science. It's a science to cooking, especially when you're a vibrational and you cook from scratch. Many of our ancestors cook, cook from scratch. Yeah. They were scientists. When you braid your hair, that's that is science right there. So you are, and that's what you come from, scientists. So you change the perspective and you allow them to see themselves in it and then how it impacts every single thing around them. Yes. Great. Yes. So then you, the one other thing that I wanted to talk about, because you introduced me to a new word that I had never heard before, and that's your practice of iridology. And when yeah. I tell you, you blew my mind with it. And I want to talk about some of the services. And I also want to get back to what it is that you offer at the Container Village so people can come and actually see you there. But before we go there, tell me and the listeners more about iridology and how you stumbled on that and started using it as a part of your holistic practice. Um, my cousin had an herbal store 
And Dr. Prullerman was working there one day and she said, take this iridologist class. And I said, what's iridologist? And she said, well, you got to look into the eyes and it can tell you what's going on with you, what's going on with you. And so I said, okay. I said, how much it costs? She said, $250. So I would start bringing little money orders, money orders. When I got down to about the last part, she said, I got you. Just come here. And I really think you'll be good at it. So I took the class and my cousin told us the next day, the first day of class, he said, everybody go home and look in eyes. So I went home. I looked in 22 eyes that next from the time I left that class. I was intrigued with it. So he came back the next day and he said, did anybody look in any eyes? And it was me and another student. But I didn't say nothing because, you know, me being his cousin, I didn't want to say nothing. So she said, well, I looked in 14. He was like, cuz, you ain't looking no eyes? I said, yes, I looked in 22. He gave me $100. So I was like, okay. And then when I looked in the eyes, I was sharing with Sakia that, I looked in the eyes, and when I looked in the iris, I picked up things back then, but I was just learning. And I looked in um, someone's eyes, and I could see where it was something going with the brain. So the iris is like a, a clock. It's 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 12 o'clock is your brain. 6 o'clock is your feet. And so you can, and then there's seven different zones. So you can look in the eyes and you can see the different organs and whether there's weaknesses, you'll see like markings in the eyes. And the more you do it, the better you'll become. It become like second nature. So the iridologist can tell you what's going on with the eyes. And you look in the pupils, that's all kind of getting in your stomach and all around there. So the irises tells a lot about what's going on. Even when you go to... You accidentally muted. Let me clap. You accidentally they can muted. Tell you about Wait, oh. you accidentally muted. So pick back up where you said the 12 o'clock, the... 12 oh. o'clock is the brain. And mm -hmm. then 6 o'clock, we go down here to the foot. Got it. It's like going around your body. And then, and then you were able to see something back then, but because you were new, you didn't necessarily trust. Right, right. right. And so I saved the sheets of the first eyes I ever looked in, looked into. I saw. Uh -oh. Just putting that sheet up and getting in touch with some of these people. Some people on that sheet have died with some of the things I seen in their eyes 20 years ago. Wow. Wow. And so that's how I'm going to be able to shift over to the services that you offer at the Container Village. So if someone were to come and see you in Container Village, what would they find in your shop? Um, well, we are a collective here. I'm here with Miss Catherine. She does quilting and Marina. She does herbs and I do herbs. So they'll be able to come in here and find many herbs for the blood. They'll find herbs for iron. They'll find herbs for all the Billy Body Sisters when you think about it. So mm -hmm. we got the blood, we got the digestive system, we got the immune, well, I said the immune system for the brain. Um, so we got respiratory. So we'll have, you know, different herbs for different things. Um, we also have um, different African artifacts in here. Um, we have a coloring book. I created ABC Herbal Coloring Book is here. Uh, we have soap in here, natural soaps. We have earrings. We have pictures. Because I always wouldn't, when I put the pictures on the walls, because it's a conversation piece. It starts a multi-generational conversation. Because oftentimes, people over 50 and 60 know who the people on the walls. But oftentimes, if they come with a child, the child does not know. Yeah. So it's a, it's a teaching moment if that grandmother comes or that grandfather or that elder comes with a young person. That you teach them that this is who. George Washington Carter, that's... Langston Hughes right there. That's Harriet Tubman. Uh, 
That's I to B. So they, they'll learn this. So it's understanding. So being a folklore hill artist, you're not just limited to herbs, but you're always teaching about the historical people who were also that came before us that set the path for us. For sure. And I'm definitely going to be getting that one sign that you have in there, busy making my ancestors proud. I can imagine having that right at the door as you're walking out. To think, yeah. And that's a constant reminder. Of, are you doing something right now? that would make your ancestors proud. And I, I I love that one sign, but there's so much that you have inside of your shop. So I know this is going pretty long, but I do have one more, well, two more questions. Yes. One is if you were to give advice to a new business owner, somebody who's just getting started, what would be that piece of advice you have for them? I would say, love what you do. The money's going to come, but love what you do. Let it be. Don't let your passion ever go away. Love what you do. This passion I got now, and I had it 20, 30 years ago. It, it has not left. And you get up every morning with it. And yeah. my last question for you is, if you had to think about where you want your business to be five years from now, what would that look like? I would like to have a curriculum in our children starting early on. I would like to have a curriculum, a botany curriculum and teaching younger children really about botany and herbalism and creating a, a, a space where they can also do outside the classrooms too, but also in the classrooms curriculums. Mm -hmm. That's a, amazing. And you're already doing it with the various workshops you're doing, but you're saying an entire curriculum. Yes, entire curriculum. Because awesome. everybody else have books and curriculums. They have, you Kaplan, you have these other people who are really not, from the community continue to have books and we need to have our own curriculums you know and it'd be good to have with homeschoolers but it needs to be something that i think in many of the schools here because i i know if we know who we are we'll do we'll feel better about ourselves when you know where you come from for sure and so my last question is where can people find you we know the container village but if they want to say wait i, I want to find out about the iridology i want to take an herbal class i want to get some of those herbs what's the best way for them to get in touch with you um I'm on Instagram at, at preciousjewels.llc. Uh, my number, phone number is 267-886-0798. So they can text me, call me, or DM me. And don't forget to find her in the Container Village. In She's the Container there. Village. <laughs> well, Falami, thank you so much for taking the time to share your getting started story where you come from, why you do what you do, and your insight and advice for other entrepreneurs. And thank you. You're very welcome.